Everybody, welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're back in the team room. And kind of like we already told you beforehand, you know, we sent out a, a story on Instagram telling you that there are some updates to the prior service kind of environment, if you will. And uh, and we have Mass Sergeant Gann back on for the third or fourth time now to talk about prior service, cross-training, sister service transfers, and all that kind of good stuff. So um, right off the bat, welcome. Thanks for coming back on. I, I know that uh, as you are are soon going to be out of the seat, uh, replaced with whoever, um, we definitely wanted to have you on one more time, and we appreciate you being like willing to come back on, and especially give kind of an update to what is going on with prior service. So um, what is going on? I know you just got back, or you just got out of um, – kind of a, a summit, a prior, or not a prior service, but like a special operations recruiting summit or something like that, that's going to have a bunch of changes coming out. So let's start with that. What happened there and what are some of the changes coming out? Well, some of the changes, I can't get in detail yet because they're not, they're, they're solid ideas, but they haven't been implemented. Um, what I will tell you is moving into FY23, that the, um, the prior service mission for recruiting as a whole is basically doubling um, than what it has been in the past uh, few FYs, fiscal years. Um, typically, recruiting services only taken in about 50 a year. I know on our last podcast, we talked about that and how there would be exceptions for those who wanted to come into Aspect War or SEER. Um, this year, the, the, the cap is going to be 100 across the board for recruiting. But of those 100 positions that recruiting is going to allow prior service retrainees to come in on, 48 of those are aspect war and seer so basically 49 percent 48 percent of the prior service accessions this year for air force recruiting will be um an aspect war and seer uh, with that being said they've even drilled it down further than that and they've broken down certain seats for each afsc um i'll just go ahead and just rattle those off to you right now there's going to be eight slots for seer there's going to be five slots for pj there's going to be 10 slots for cct 15 slots for TACP and 10 slots for uh, SR. Mm, okay. And I will say some people will hear those numbers are going to be like, oh, my God, I better hurry up and get my stuff going. Yeah, you're, you're right. But I will tell you that the numbers that are going to come out this or that are coming out beginning one October, those are right in line with what we've been putting in the, the past few years. So don't think that we're putting in 50 prior service SR guys. We're not. Uh, because, I mean, not every package uh, gets the approval from the, the CFMs uh, to retrain. So um, for straight up prior service, I can't speak too much of specifics on active duty retraining, just kind of explain the process. Um, so if you don't panic, but move the sense of urgency if you're trying to come in for retraining. Well, and it seems like you all do a pretty good job of uh, filtering people out before it even gets to the MFM, CFM level. So most of the paperwork I get yeah. from you guys is basically you know ready to go and i've you know we've already had conversations yeah right. i'm just saying your team does a really good job that's all i'm saying thank you thank you i appreciate it and Take the um, compliment. speaking of that <laughs> I, I will thank you uh i will also say with with that being said uh what i've done in the past past couple of years is i've been the one kind of reviewing those and qc them before i send them up to the mfms and cfms um this year uh the majority of that responsibility is going to rely on the 330th so if you're running into issues, getting in touch with um, a recruiter or they're not responding back, I don't think that you should have maybe that resistance this coming year because there's a there's a number attached Not in the past where there wasn't really like a number. They know that these, these are what we have to meet. So uh, the good and bad of that is um, they're going to be more engaged, most likely with you, as long as you're a quality candidate, and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, the second thing with that is given there's a certain number of positions uh, there's going to be a little more competition, I would imagine, uh, for those slots. So uh, meeting the IFT numbers just might not cut it. You might want to make sure you're crushing that, and, you know, all the other factors that go into it. So with with it going to the 330th now, um, and you don't necessarily have a replacement, so does that mean that normal recruiters or at least special operations recruiters will be able to, they'll be trained and, and supposed to handle prior service? Yes, and they and they do that now. I don't want, I don't want you to think that the the recruiters don't do that. Um, but 
you know, um, how do I need to put this? I mean, they do a lot of the getting them out there for development. They build in their packages. But some of those questions that they may not understand or know, um, they usually route those up to me, which there will still be somebody. Nobody's going to replace me here that I'm aware of, but there will be a person within the branch that I work in that will be there to answer those questions. Okay. But a lot of it's going to rely on the flight chiefs and the recruiters. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the reason why I say that is because, I, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, get a lot of emails or messages about mm-hmm. folks that are like, hey, you know, I went to see my recruiter, but, you know, he or she doesn't know anything about, uh, you know, prior service. And maybe that's just because they got in a seat and they're, they're new. But, uh, you know, a lot of the people that we send direct to you is, is because of that. It is in, in response to that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a, a prior service or a sister service transfer or, you know, somebody that's gotten out and come back in. So like, those are a lot of the ones that you've right. seen f- directly from us. And that's, that's why. So. Yeah. And that's part of what our branch wants to do is kind of take more of an operational analytical type standpoint after I'm gone. But that being said, we also understand we have those kind of weird type situations where they, we want them to reach out to us so we can make sure they get put in touch with the correct recruiter. Um, so in, in many times they've talked to the wrong recruiter. They've talked to a, a regular enlisted sessions recruiter, not an aspect war recruiter because the nearest one's eight hours away. So those things are every, this situation with prior service is not is uniform it is coming in enlisted because uh there's fewer spec war recruiters um but we eventually try to get them to the right person it may just take a little bit longer than the normal bubba coming in how many types of recruiters are there i think this is something how many types i mean because it's like even when i sit in the meetings and like there's mm-hmm. you know the people from afrs are talking about the different types of recruiters sometimes yeah. like i have to like run it through my head and figure out all the acronyms to be like what are they talking about right you know, like, so for like someone coming you're, off the street, they're like, what, what do you mean? There's different types of, rec- you're an air force recruiter. Let me in the door, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. So just so you know, so anybody who's a recruiter in the air force has, has been an enlisted recruiter. That's the first thing you do right out the gate. That's what I call like initiation in recruiting terms. Like everybody's got to go out there and pound the pavement and go to high schools and do that. Right. And so then from there, those who stay in recruiting, you can break off into two different branches. You can go, um, off into the OA, which is the health professions, line officer, uh, engineering, officer recruiting, basically, officer sessions. And then you have the SW route now, which is special warfare. Uh, we do have recruiters like for chaplains and things like that, but that's, that's a whole different process. But the people out there in small town America are going to be contacting either uh, an enlisted recruiter, an officer recruiter, or a spec warfare recruiter. And if you not near any one of those three, but you're near this one, they should be able to direct you to the one you need to talk to. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's just trying to make it as, as you know, for people that are only so as smart EA, as I am, I'm trying o- to make it clear for them. W. Yeah. 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 That's it. So is, is there going to be, I, I don't know. I'm jumping ahead. Is there going to be like a, an email address we can send people to when you're gone? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make this as easy as possible. Not only for the ones ready crew, but for everybody out there, is there like a, you know, like, yes, there will be. I know Peach has already asked this question. I'm just. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I have. There's a there. There will be an org box uh, for those type of things. Um, I'm not sure who or what that is. I mean, I know the who, but I don't want to speak out of turn yet. I know who the who is going to be. Ninety five percent sure they're going to be the who for a while. Um, for some re- there will be some way to get in contact with uh, somebody if you're having issues other than airforce.com. So once you're gone, is it going to be easier or harder to come over prior service? I mean, we talked about the numbers and all this other stuff, because like, these are the questions that we're going to get like, Hey man, like, so if there's change, yeah. the first question is, is this, is this change that makes it harder for me or easier for me? And that's it. I think there'll be a transition turn uh, trends. I think there'll be a transition period, but I think it'll be just the same because the person who's going to take over what I'm doing day to day is pretty knowledgeable in recruiting as well. And he's been with me, not with me, but, been working with him for over a year now. So he, he kind of knows what's up. All right. And not the person you're thinking of (laughs) somebody that works with the person that we just talked about. Trent. (laughs) What's going on right now. I think I know who it is. Not the other person, but the other person that works there. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Oh boy. Cryptic enough for y'all. Well, the, 
I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm stuck on the numbers. So how the analysis that was done on the numbers, you know, the make sure I got this right. Eight C or five PJ, 10 CCT, 15 type P and 10 SR. Like, mm-hmm. is that because that's, I, I know there was unlimited numbers previously. Are these numbers based off of like, cause this is typically what we've gotten in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, well, these in some, yes, it is in some of these, we typically get more PJs than any of them as far as applicants go. So I'm wondering, all this is based off half type numbers, uh, PGLs and A1s and all that stuff, right? That, that people out there are like, what the, you know? Um, but uh, I can tell you that with the exception of probably PJ and CCT, we have yet to meet every single one of those marks that they, as they are coming into the new FY. That's now, wild. That's, yeah. Spec warfare though, typically has been recruited about of the total prior service mission over the past couple of years for the air force. Uh, it's been about 45% of those accessions have been aspect or as or seer. Uh, I don't mention EOD because EOD um, doesn't, it's not that they don't want them. They just don't need them. They don't have any retraining slots for prior service. Either it's a direct duty from another branch in EOD because they go through the same training or um, they're getting their retrainees out of the active duty force in the Air Force already or out of, you know, washouts. Okay, so, cool. So essentially that MFR, that memorandum for record that's out there will be rescinded as soon as these get put into place, which is expected to be. I don't know that for sure. But but it's ex- all these expect are expected it. to be in the new FY, the new fiscal year. Yes, sir. Okay, and that's that's what I think we spoke. I, I waited a little bit to come on because I wanted to make sure that I was giving you giving y'all accurate data. Um, now that being said, with the Air Force, everything seems to change if they want it to change. But as of what we have right now, the most solid moving forward, moving out guidance is this right here is what I gave. Okay. Um, and you mentioned you mentioned something earlier. Uh, one of y'all did about a uh, sister service coming in, and I know. I don't want to get ahead. Um, one of the questions I get a lot and a lot of the emails that I get from you guys or from the field out there are active duty people and other services who want to come over. Um, a lot of recruiters will, I've heard, will tell them you got to wait till you're six months away from your ETS to apply, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that's not the case. Um, it is possible to do it. Um, when we had a situation this past summer, we had a guy from another branch. I won't say the branch. Um, who had an approved conditional release. He uh, was wanting to come in. You know where I'm going with this probably, right? Yeah. Nope, I don't. And Just he, showed up down, he, <laughs> he showed up. He showed up down for the EOT course, the orientation course from the sister service. And when they went through the course and all of a sudden, boom, uh, he didn't have his 214 on him. I put got a little egg on my face from that one because I missed it when, he, when the guy left. Apparently, uh, the applicant just thought, hey, I'm going to go join the Air Force now. And he didn't. Uh, do any out processing or whatever needed to be done to leave that service. And I guess that was, con- he thought it was going to happen on the back end. So basically we had a guy who came into the air force who was still in the army. So we had to send him back. So what I will tell any sister service person, guard reserve, specifically active duty. If you're going to go down the retraining route, you have to make sure have to have to have to make sure that you are out processing and doing the things that you need from your service to leave that because you will not come on to active duty in the Air Force without your 214 from that branch you're leaving. So that's why we'll set it up. Whereas your last day of service, let's just say in the Army will be on a Wednesday. Your first day in the Air Force will be on a Thursday there. So you don't have that break in service. Um, if that's what you're if that's the route, if that's the route you're going, you have to make sure you're doing your part on your end. And you also have to make sure you're getting the correct approval authority from your service too. some of the Navy has to go to Millington for their, like their personnel command, uh, you know, Quantico for the Marines headquarters army for the army. So you got to make sure you're getting the right uh, approval authority to release you from that service when you do your out processing. And they don't have to wait until they're six months out. I no. Okay. No. So that's, that is definitely something I've, I've, that, that you like, we continuously hear is like, Oh, I got to wait till six months. You mm-hmm. don't have to wait until you're six months out. No, so. I've, I've done it. We've done it for, for numerous people. So um, if I hadn't done it, I have different advice, but we've done it. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little trickier, but it can be done. Okay. A lot of coordination has to take place. Well, that's, that's per usual, I guess. 
Um, yeah. One of the things that I, I don't know, maybe I've just been living under a rock, but there, there's a an orientation course for sister service, EOT. Yes, EOT, Enlisted Airman Orientation Course. So if you're coming in, you know, from the Army, you did eight years in the Army, and you're coming over. It's basically a week to get you in processed, all of your deers, all of those things transferred over to the Air Force, uniform issue, customs and courtesies that are different from your your service you're coming from. It It's led by TIs, I think, out of the 319th is the, the squadron that owns it. But, um, yeah, basically, there's kind of orienti- ori- orientating you to the Air Force way of life. Okay, um, so it's not just for aspect yeah. war. This is anybody that's doing a, a system. Correct. Transfer. Okay, all right, cool. Correct, yeah. Do they, yeah, do they work that, on those? They'll look there, up we'll disdain. They like this is the look you need to have on your face when you see sister service from now on from the branch you just came from. Like you look down on them. Is that? I'm assuming that's like a whole day of. Yeah, they they teach them. They teach them all the the jabs and the quips <laughs> that, to give them back. You know, give back to them. We have a couple Marines running around STTS. That, you know, we we like we're prior Marines, always a Marine thing. You know that we always give them crap. You know, how's it feel to call somebody by their first name? You know, uh, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. So um, has the rank requirement for, for people that are prior service coming in? I, I know we, we typically like to take staff sergeant and down. Uh, there has been occasions mm-hmm. where we have taken tech sergeants, but that's generally, uh, you know, few and far between. Is that right. still the case? It is few and far between. So um, I know one of the questions was something about a baby tech yep. that I saw coming over. Yep or retraining or maybe E6 or somebody who's it's, made it's CFM. Who has a line number kind of right. Thing. Yeah. So if that's up to the MFM or CFM, you know, um, it's totally on them. They have to look at their manning levels. I know TAC P I think is pretty heavy on E6s right now. So they may be w- less willing to take an E6 or a, somebody with a line. Uh, whereas another career field, uh, let's just say SR you know, might be willing to entertain an E6 uh, Maybe. more than the other eight when Zulus, depending upon the package. If they have a, if they have a soft background, you know, uh, if they've got dive, if they have some of the, the pipeline completed based upon what they did before, um, that helps if they're an E6 because it cuts down their pipeline time. If you're a straight up security forces guy in the Air Force and you're an E6 for the past two years and you decide you want to go be a, a PJ, you're probably a little too late. Um, for that, because by the time you finish the pipeline, you're going to be upper master. And then, you know, yeah, you know how it goes from there. It comes with the expectation that I'm hiring a leader, you know, just, it's just like you said, like a security forces, you know, regular person is whatever, but like, if I'm getting a guy out of Moody that has free fall sniper, all these other things, uh, or sister service cat, mm-hmm. it's the same, same thing. Um, so it, it, it depends on you. You know, but like you, if you come over here and you're like, I was, you know, I was on a submarine for the past eight years. I'm going to be like, I don't know how that transfers to our career fields at all. And you're going to be in a leadership role as soon as you get here. And I'm not the return on investment is not great. You know what I mean? And I'm kind of hosing the dudes. Right. The, the, the dudes, the E5s that have been there since the beginning that are trying to make rank. So there's a lot of considerations that go into it. Um, and just like you said, it's, it's a lot like the retraining. It's the, the it's the PGL. It's what we need. And it's, it's based on the package. So. For everybody out there, that's it's not a personal thing. It's, I mean, it might be, it might be personal, but <laughs> if it's coming from Trent, it's a, definitely a personal thing. <laughs> yeah, but that, that that that's what we're looking for. Like, Funny. like we, when we look at the numbers and we're like, oh, there's like ten for SR or whatever. And I'm like, just like with retraining, though, I'm assuming if I get eleven solid, you know, workups from from Gan's office of, of people that I really want in SR. There's ways to play play with the numbers. So, like, if we rescind the memo and it's, like, not unlimited anymore, and you're like, oh, man, like, I'm the 11th one. They're definitely not going to take me. Like, that's where we have the conversation with our team, like, with the, you know, Gans team and, and myself. And then we're going to work through it and see if we can find a, another slot and see if we're not, you know, meeting all of our NPS numbers and all these other things. So, it's a lot of maths out there, kids, to, to get someone yeah, in. Yeah, and it's – and the, the applicants themselves, the candidates who are applying for this, don't ask if you're the eighth person or the fifth person, your recruiter is not going to know because we're not going to tell them. All right. You just, if you want to do this, do what you got to do, control what you can control. I hate hearing that, but that's the truth in the matter is control what you can control and put your package in. If you're a quality solid candidate that they think is going to make a great leader, then trust the process. 
You know, there's there's ETPs, exceptions to policies that happens all the time. So I don't want anybody to get wrapped around the axle about uh, certain slots or numbers and, oh, I got to do this now, do this then. Um, just trust the process and do what you do. What you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Put, just put in the paperwork, y'all, and, and, and see what happens. There's there's no harm, no foul. And I'm telling you, if you're a quality candidate and it gets to my level, we're going to if I can't take you, I'm going to shop you around to the other MFMs and the CFMs, you know, like we don't want to lose a quality candidate from the, the greater pool of aspect war. We want to keep you in here. So, you know, just, just put in the paperwork and we'll see what we can do. So, um, yeah. I want to, I want to see how hard was it to get the inter-service transfer done? Cause for me, from where I'm sitting, that was a huge win like this. I, I'm pretty sure that you had to put your head through multiple walls to get the first person over as an inter-service transfer. Cause that's one of the things that caused a whole lot of consternation, you know, from the, the functional level. It's, it was just a lot of uh, trial and error trying to figure this out, trying to figure that out. I did a lot of reading and regulations and the stuff that, you know, your supervisor always tells you as an airman, hey, have you, have you checked this? Have you checked that? I basically had to figure all that out. And when somebody would come back with, no, you can't do that. And I would come back with, well, have you looked at blah, 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 paragraph, table point, whatever, right? And I'm sure I frustrated some people, but it wasn't, you only know what you know. And then there's a first time for everything. And my God, I found a few of them uh, the past couple of years. <laughs> no, I mean, that never happens, right? Where, where someone says that this is not possible just because it hasn't been done in a long time. And oh, the reg gosh. says otherwise. It, one thing is, and I think uh, there's one person that works at AFRS and I've known him for years and he's the person that kind of gets all the assignments booked for me and the, the dates to leave. And I probably owe him four or five steak dinners already because I'm anytime he sees me in the hallway, if I'm in FRS, if I'm at headquarters or if he sees my phone number come across his, I mean, he's probably like, Oh God, what now? And typically he's right. Because one thing that working down here in ST has taught me is the, the find that find a way to yes. And I mean, it, yeah, it's it was a struggle, but I think we've kind of got it nailed down now as far as ISTs. Oh, uh, as Gan, far as Gan is ISTs, a four letter word. <laughs> yeah, it is a yeah, it is a four letter word, and like people see that my name on their phone, they'd be like, "Oh, not again," you know. And uh, so, did you just throw a dad pun out there? Is that what? Yeah, I was gonna say that was I definitely did. a dad, but it was about it's, but it's a personalized one, yeah. you know, so it's even more classic. Oh my gosh. I think we've talked about it before, but I, I, now that we're we're kind of talking about what's new and what's changing, and I, we've done it before, but can we just like run through, hey, I'm, you know, sister service person. What's the first step and kind of like walk through the process real quick so that, you know, it's it's clear for everybody. Okay. All right. Cool. It just stopped. That was really weird. That was the weirdest we were getting, thing. We were getting some noise and now it stopped. That's really weird. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just. Oh, no, 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 no. You're good. Okay, good. You're Keep good. going. Uh, yeah, so what will happen then is your your application, your package will go to the 330th, and then from there, uh, they will send that out to the MFMs or CFMs. So once they get that package, it could be a day turnaround time. It could be three weeks turnaround because it depends upon what that chief or senior has going on, okay? So if they are TDY for two weeks, you may not get a look at it, you know? And sometimes we have to send reminders to certain people um, to see if they've seen the email or whatever. And then they'll respond back. Oh, yeah, he's good. I'm sorry. I forgot to. I'm right here. Okay. You can that just is, say, oh, that is, that is, you can that just is. say Signaler sometimes <laughs> misses an email yeah. uh, and, uh, and well, I have to remind you're you. Actually not the wor- you're actually not the, you're not the worst one, believe it or not. Um, he may have been on the podcast before. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that narrows it down. Two parter. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, um, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, don't tell him I said that. He'll he'll see this anyway. So yeah, he will. Uh, <laughs> once they come back with an approval, once they come back with an approval, at that point we're waiting to get you slotted for a SWIC class. So if you get approved today, you may not go to leave for the Air Force for two months based upon how the schedule of classes break out. Um, like we have some people leaving this coming week. Uh, I'm not sure when this will air, but you know, there's there's seven or eight leaving this coming week, um, and then we'll. Yeah, you know one, uh, and, and then um, they'll they'll report off. But it just it's all based upon timing. So don't take the time if you get told, "Hey, you're leaving in three months," but you've been approved for two weeks. 
don't get down on yourself. Take that time to strengthen yourself up physically, mentally. Uh, look at it kind of like more time to invest in yourself before you you head off for the next couple of years, okay? Because you don't want to rush into it. But um, then again, uh, just take the time and mentor the, the non-priors. Um, same with if you're close to a base, like I know here, um, we have retrainees who come out and and work out with the dev pool. You know, so that that can be done as well. If you're a, an active duty member, sister service member near a recruiter who's got development sessions and IFTs going on. Go out there and work out with them. Um, th- th- there should be no problem with that. Every developer does things differently, but I know for a fact that the developer local to me uh, has four or five guys out there at any given time that are retrainees, active duty. Yeah, that was th- those are some legalities that we worked through with the contract, but. Um... Moving on, like mm-hmm. some of the, some of the, I'm not sure if this is one of the questions that we got, but something that I hear back from guys a lot of time is, uh, flexibility, you know, cause these folks out there coming from sister service a lot of time have lives and have things or, or mm-hmm. have physical conditions or whatever. Um, if they get approved, how much flexibility do they have on their ship date? Well, they're, I mean, they have some flexibility as far as, we can't change the courses already set in stone for the next, you know, FY or so. So if we've got a class leaving in a month and they can't meet that class because they have to get, you know, their wife, spouse moved across country back to mom and dad's while they're in the pipeline. Yeah. Then they might, they might have to wait another, you know, two months after that to, to catch the next class. So those are things that you need to be upfront with and discuss with your recruiter and when let them know when, if you're approved on this date, when can you go? You, you need to, kind of be thinking of those things in advance. Uh, whereas you're, if you're living on a base and, and you're on an army base, but you're going to join the air force, you know, your wife and kids are most likely going to have to move off that army base while you'll be part of the air force. So either where are they going to go? Um, because they can't just camp out with you down there at uh, the Chapman annex. So, you know, it's one of those things, do your homework, watch plenty of these podcasts and kind of know what to expect uh, when you cross over. So, um, yes, there is flexibility. We have somebody just this coming week that couldn't get everything done by the army. They couldn't get him done in time. So he's going to get pushed to the next class. It's it's just the reality of the situation. So, okay, well, that's really good that everything's flexible because, you know, we, we do get that question quite a bit. But I guess since you brought up families um, and I know that things are kind of fluid and changing and stuff like that, but. So mm-hmm. if it is a sister service or a prior service, let, let's just, okay, let's say it's prior service in terms of it's a cross mm-hmm. trainee. Like what are they doing with their family then? You're talking about what we would deal with in the 330th? Yeah. So like if, if somebody's, uh, let's just say here at Nellis with me, right. And they're cross mm-hmm. training. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are they doing with their family? Their family's staying there. Okay. They will go TDY and route. So, um, it's staff sergeant security forces guy, right? And he wants to, he, he gets accepted and starts the pipeline, goes down for SWIC. He'll stay there. He'll roll over into ANS. He'll roll over into pre-dive. His family still stays in place. If there's a break, when I say a break in the in the pipeline somewhere, I I don't know what limit they put on it down there, but typically probably less than three weeks, you'd probably just stay there in place, I would imagine. Um, and then... If there's not, if it's going to be a month and a half before you can get to free fall school, they may send you back to your home station and you'll report back to your unit, work out whatever they have you do until it's time for you to go, sir. I think for the, the Air Force retrainees, we PCS them down to the 350th post ANS sometime okay. because we're, we're not going to PCS people before we know that you're selected because of the, the, the attrition mm-hmm. rates that we're looking at. And so sometime after that pre-dive dive time frame, we're going to PCS you to Lackland. Um, but it's just not going to happen okay. right away. And, and, and they understand that like you might need some time in between classes to like, you know, get your family situated or, or, or work that out with your uh, MTLs. But it's just not going to be like, oh, you got accepted in the pipeline. We're going to PCS you down there. Then we're going to have a whole pile of people that didn't make it PCS to Lackland. And then, uh, you know, we're going to get yelled at a lot. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that may have changed re- more recently too. Cause I know in the past, a lot of people, they would go TDY back and forth. So I, I'm kind of glad they, they will be doing that. Um, I think it gives a little more stability to, to those candidates. Well, some of that could depend on what their current time on station is at the the base mm-hmm. that they are coming from too. Like if they just got there and then they hit their retrain window and, and crossed over, they're not, I mean, the air force just spent money to PCS them 
to that location, they're not going to turn around and just PCS them a couple months later, right on back. So, right. Yeah, there, there's always and that's something you mentioned, Tomlins. Go ahead. No, I'm, I was just going to say what you're going to say. There's uh, there's always exceptions to every policy and every procedure and blah blah blah. And and you got to yeah. This is this is where it, coming in as a retrainee or as a sister service person, you have to be tracking your personal life and being as open uh, with your communication with your chain of command as possible. And if you're not getting what you need, you can reach back to your, uh, you know, your recruiting folks, or you can reach back to your MFM or CFM uh, because you have those points of contact. Just don't reach out to me over yeah. dumb stuff, please. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, I did, I did see some dumb ones there as I was flipping through yeah. that. <laughs> and, not, and I guess I, I try to put it in perspective. Um, but yeah, some of those, like really, no. Well, um, so yeah, and and I we're actually. Trent and Aaron and I talked about this. Like we're gonna we're gonna make we're gonna address some of some of the questions because you know you don't realize it, um, but like when you have an opportunity to talk to to someone like you or someone who is, has a very unique perspective or role or knowledge on on a specific thing, to ask like, "Hey, Gan, what uh, what's the best boots?" for me to wear during ANS, like, you know, as a cross training, like that's not an inappropriate question for you. That's an, okay. It might be an appropriate question for, for me, Trent or Aaron, but like not for you, you know what I mean? So there are certain levels, so we've got to address it. But now that we're actually at a, at a break, this is a great time again. So since we were talking about this, I got to do some ad reads. So let me do two of them real quick. We've got drink hoist. So all, right. all these folks, all these candidates, they need hydration, right? Because yep. guess what? Yep. They're going to be taxing the ever living hell out of their body during ANS. Yeah. So during prep, uh, well, you know, dev sessions, their own training sessions, they need hydration and hoist is your, uh, is who you need to go to for that. Right. Great flavors. Uh, great flavors would equal great taste, I suppose. So great I prefer flavors. watermelons, my favorite. Yeah. I'll do Dang. that. Dan's in on the mango. hoist game. So good. Yeah. That peach mango. Oh, anyway, uh, IV level hydration. Like, I mean, dude, it's one of the things that I hammer first thing in the morning when I wake up before I go train because it's about an hour from wake up to training. Hammer back a hoist uh, and I'm good to go. So it's drinkhoist.com. One uh, promo code is one's ready. Check them out. And then also we have Cardo Max. So former Navy SEALs, two by. Um, we forgive them. Started for up the company. What's that? We forgive them for that. Like they're yeah. small indiscretion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll allow them into the community, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, founded by two Navy SEALs and they've got a whole mix. I mean, I, I know Trent, you definitely have Cardomax going through your body right now. <laughs> I got, I got Cardomax right here. If it's before like lunchtime, odds are I got Cardomax running and then post lunch is going to be the hydration or the the immune boosters because you know we like things that taste good we like things that do good things for our body the caffeine you could argue about but like I don't care I'm drinking it and it's amazing and it's a liquid too so you just throw it in there and there's no like mixing it and then you got little clumps running around it's liquid into other liquid and if you're feeling feeling really spicy you can just take it straight to the dome through the packets but that is rough. So uh, definitely check them out. It's cardomax.com, promo code one's ready. That's cardomax.com and drinkhoist.com, promo code one's ready for both of them. Thanks for that again. And to knock that out. Hey, do your thing. Yeah, yeah man. But uh, I, didn't yeah, know, I didn't know you were on grab, the hoist train, though. Oh, yeah, I grab someone every time I go to the commissary. So kind of keeps me going throughout the day. Dang, they got it at the commissary. Yeah, I've got just... They do have it here at Herbie. They do. Yep. Um, I've got a couple products you guys talk about. One of the ones, uh, the person who runs it is actually stationed here in this unit. So um, keeps my hair looking nice. You know what I mean? Ooh, you mean out of um, regs? I mean, while we're in it, we, I may, do. As, we may as well yeah. give out of regs a Just shout out. out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sure you enough. mean that dirty mic? Yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah. I, I use the pipe hitter and the sea salt. And, uh, and when I know that, on the last pod I watched, y'all mentioned that he was a stow, but he's also a prior uh, seer specialist too. So uh, he, he's get, get the best of both worlds with him. 
So the funny part about that, and hopefully this isn't diamond him out too much, is I came out to ANS to, uh, I mean, it's whatever. What are they going to do? They going to get upset at me about something? I, yeah. Wouldn't be the first know. time. Yeah. Anyway, so I, so I show up to ANS to, to watch and, um, and I'm just like, I'm being quiet, you know, and then I, I come up to this really tall dude and I'm looking at him and he looks really familiar, but I mean, it's, it's really dark, you know, it's under a headlamp. He's, he's dirty and tired and stuff like that. And I'm looking at him going, I swear I know this guy. And I'm just talking to him. Like, I don't know who he, cause I legitimately didn't realize who he was and, uh, who y'all starting, who y'all, I'm a, a, you know, seer cross trainee. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. You know, and then it it was only after he got out of ANS and and he's you know on his way to pre dive and stuff like that that he hit me up. He's like, "Hey, man, it was cool seeing you at ANS." And I was like, what? "And he, yeah, yeah, dude, that was you that was talking to me the entire time. No idea, mm-hmm. <laughs> no clue." That's funny. Cool story for yeah. me. It's not that funny. You don't have to appease me. Mm-hmm. That was a bad story. I'm a terrible storyteller. No, it's fine. My my situation, how I met him was kind of similar. I was in a, a training thing with him and somehow the conversation got brought up and I was like, holy crap. And I'd already bought it, I, I believe, before I knew who he was, like right down the hall from me. Yeah, he's, um, he's a really a good small world, right? He's a really good dude. It was yeah. it was good having him on the podcast. So um, you had brought up earlier about making sure that your IFT scores were off the charts. Um, mm-hmm. Have you been as a trend? Have you been seeing folks? Um, kind of missing the mark or, or at least submitting seen, packages without like solid IFT scores. I've seen some that are right on the bubble. You know, when I say on the bubble, I mean, their, their cows are like one or two above the, the minimum, you know, which I mean, we all know the saying, but um, I would just tell you there's somebody out there putting in 10 more reps, 15 more reps than you are, you know? So the, the standard may be eight, and you're putting in nine, great, but there's a guy out there putting in 18. Oh, for sure. Your pull up. So, I mean, you are meeting the standard, yes, but you got to understand how prepared, you know, how much you're going to study for the test, you know? So um, that's one thing that I, I do see is people are out there on the bubble. And I think some of them are actually, once they pass it, they're wanting to uh, just go and get their package put in to know they've got that out of the way. And you might want to give yourself a little more time. I'm not saying don't put it in, but especially with this next year going to be a little more competitive. I think you, you might want to just do some uh, self-reflection and look at what you're doing uh, before you turn those packages in. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. So make, you know, make sure your numbers are really, really good. Um, delay if you need to, but at the same time, don't delay because, you know, one is you, you may never get to that point again. Like you keep kicking the can down the road and next thing you know, you're a, a tech Sergeant, and you can't cross train mm-hmm. now. You're missed the window, or more life happens to you, and that kind of stuff. Um, there was a question here that I that we've addressed in the past, but I want to I want to hit it one more time. And rank folks losing rank mm-hmm. coming over from you know just a service um, in yes. the past, and I don't know if it's changed, but in the past it was uh, depended on what the rank was, and it also depended on how long you were wearing that rank. Um, determined yeah, so, whether or not you lose it is that still the case kind of so i'll just give you it's very simple if you're a sister service person and you're an e5 or you're an e6 and you've been in less than 10 years say you're an army e6 you've been in seven years when you come to the air force you will lose a strike and most people are willing to do that because they're not joining for the rank they're joining for the for the career field so we've had that happen with two people who are about to come over from the army, they have to go down a stripe um, based upon their time in service. So if you were looking for, like I said, the E sixes are case by case, but what we talked about, but the, the main thing that really, if you're an E five, when you come over, you have to be in five years, six months as an E five, more than five years and six months as an E five to keep that stripe from a sister service coming over. If not, you're going down uh, to E four. Um, we don't really don't have many issues with A1Cs or senior airman type um, just because of the, the timing and all that. So the, the big questions are always E5. Uh, if you're an E6 going down to E5 or E5 to E4. Uh, so rule of thumb, E6 less than 10 years, you're losing a stripe coming into the Air Force. 
If you're an E5, been in less than five years, six months, you're losing the stripe coming down to E4. Did I say that right? I think I said that right. Yep. Made sense to me. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Whether there's it's your right or not, I don't right know, there. but it made sense to me. Now, there is an asterisk to that. Uh, if you are coming from an air component, if you're coming from the air guard or the air reserve into active duty, you will not lose any rank because it's still the same service, I guess, as long as your PME is, has been completed. So if you're, uh, you know, a, a four-year staff sergeant and you have ALS by correspondence done, you know, you'll, you'll keep that. That five-year, six-month rule does not apply to you. You will keep that if you're coming from an air component. Can they, can they voluntarily drop a rank coming from, like, one of those air components to get in? Because I've, I've got this question, I don't know how many times. They're like, I'm an E6, I'm willing to be an E5 to go active, even yeah. though, like, their PME is done. I'll give you a very hypothetical from Donovan here, not Master Sergeant Gann. All right. What if I would do, if you're in a reserve or a guard unit for the Air Force and you're an E6, say your five-year mark, most of those billets are slots that have to be filled. So if you're, they may assign you as an E6 to this billet because that's what their UMD says they can fill. Right. Now, if I was that guy, knowing that I had to be an E5 to come in, I would probably go to my leadership and tell them what I was wanting to do. And I might ask them, hey, is there an E5 billet you could switch me to out of this E6 billet where I become a staff sergeant? Yeah, brilliant. That's what, I mean, if that was me, if that was me, that's probably what I would do. Because all those billets aren't time and grade, time and service type stuff. Retire or die is how you promote or there's a spot open, you fill it. So there's probably a slot of grade below that you might talk to your leadership about. And I'd be willing to bet they might entertain that. That's pretty that bad. Is that's, what Donovan, that that's, what is, Donovan, uh... that's what Donovan thinks. <laughs> yeah, that, that just made the whole podcast right there, didn't it? I mean, that's a real. Not We're definitely going to put that out there. We're going to be like, Mass Sergeant. I mean, Donovan Gann said that this is. Yeah, you, I mean, you can say Donovan said that. Yeah. Master Gann didn't say that. Donovan said that. <clears throat> All right. That's awesome. Well, that was, that's actually, that makes a whole lot of sense. So there you go, folks. Figure it out yourself. Take care of yourself. Make it happen. Um, attrition rates. Everybody always wants to know. We get uh, millions of questions about how how are people successful at the different, you know, sister service, prior service, retrainees. I don't, I don't know. I don't track it, honestly. What? Um, I think if a... I don't. I mean, I, there, I'm sure there's numbers out there, but I don't ever look at it. Um, and I would just tell somebody, if you're worried about attrition rates, you're probably looking at the wrong thing. That's Man, what he did. nailed it. Gosh. You can come back anytime you want. Probably not going to make it. That was fantastic. I, I really hate the attrition it. questions like, oh, well, like, what's the attrition yeah. rate? What's the attrition rate? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. And neither should you, you know, like show up and be ready to go. It, I'll, it's I'll throw, frustrating. I'll throw a challenge out there, though. I will throw a challenge out there, though. Pretty much every Marine we've brought over has been successful. Dang. All right, Marines. I tell you. We need more of you. I'm just saying. That's, don't be the Marine that saying, doesn't I've, make I've it. I've seen that. If, if, you're, if you're a prior service Marine and you quit, like we're gonna, you're going to stand out. Just throwing it out there. Don't do that. <laughs> That's the one thing I have noticed. <laughs> All right. Like, oh, you're in the Marines. You got my attention. And then the, the the other question we get a lot: What um besides the the IFT besides being crushing that and getting ridiculous scores on that, what else uh, that you've seen makes a, a candidate more appealing to the uh, the functionals? I think uh, how they how they I won't say sell themselves. That's the wrong way. Um, and I've said this before too: is that the guys who showcase their leadership ability without being cocky, you know, the ones that can convey they're a good teammate. Um, those are the ones that I think have that I've seen are the better packages. It, it's not about them. It's about what they're going to do, what they want to do. It's never, it's never about them. Um, I think I've said that I don't read podcasts. If you're writing a bunch of I, I, I questions, you're, you're not, I don't think I, I won't say you're not a team player, but you know, showcase your strengths, but also be humble about your weaknesses and acknowledge those as well uh, that you, you can be teachable, but, but you also have that leadership to guide a team, you know? So um, that's what I've noticed. Um, it's just those real, just good people, you know, because likability, you know, is, is part of it. You know, if nobody likes you, 
and how they're going to trust you, you know? So, um, well, that that's kind of a vague answer, I guess, but no, I want to just the, the gist of it. I, I think what we're saying is we, like growth, right? And okay, trainability. No, I can't hear you, Trent. Am I? Can't, peaches, you you can't hear him. Can you hear me? I got can't you. Hear you or the peaches. Oh man. Oh I, shit. Technical difficulties. I think just seeing mouths move. I think if, if you can get this fixed, I just want to get this out while I'm still thinking about it. What we're, we're looking for is, is, is growth, uh, potential and trainability, right? Like, I don't want to see you talking about yourself. I want to see you uh, talking about what you can bring to the team and what you've overcome in your life to get to where you are to make you a, a valuable candidate. And, and, and I know he said, be a good person. And I think we mentioned the other day, we're like, or just be a normal person, you know? Uh, because everybody says like, be a good person. Like there's, there's something to aspire to, but we're just like, be a person that is trainable, uh, willing to grow, willing to do the work and understands that this is not a given for you. This is something that you're going to have to work for. Uh, don't come in there being like, you know, like I've wanted to be a PJ since I was three years old and like, I did this and I did that and blah, blah, blah. So growth and and trainability, I, I, uh, growth potential and trainability and, and the leadership part, right? Uh, what have you done since you joined your sister service or the Air Force to make you a better leader in aspect war? You heard like 3% of that, what I said? Uh, battery died. Yeah. Well, Apple wanted to be That'll a sponsor of the show, but we turned them down because those things run out of batteries. That's... Nah, he was just going on a on a good rant that'll be a good reel whenever it comes time to to produce this. I was like, if your hair doesn't look fantastic, you're not going to make. It. That's, I mean, that was the number one thing. Yeah, you look good, man. That's really all it comes down to. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, what's up, Trent? No, I'm just, you know me. I like to rant. We're hiring leaders. Show me that you're a leader. Show me through your paperwork that you label everything correctly. So show me that you've put time into this. Show me that in your, your personal life is scored away. Show me that, you know, other people believe in you. Show me that you've helped other people along the way. Show me that you've gone from not being able to, to, to do everything that we're asking you to do to, to doing it and not just, you know, meeting the minimum numbers, but exceeding those numbers and making, you know, putting in the, the reps to be successful. Like th- those are all the things that we're looking at. So the numbers on your IFT reflect a lot of that. Uh, but then I'm going to peruse the rest of your paperwork, you know, and, and, you know, uh, it comes down to something, even your like your handwriting on certain things. Like, did you fill out the form that you uploaded to me, like in a hurry, you know, and it looks like chicken scratch or like, do you take your time, do it right? Is your punctuation correct? Like, these are just like the little things that I look at to be like, how much time did this person put into this process to even get in the front door? Cause that's the amount of effort that they're going to put in once they're past that front door at the uh, switch yeah. and ANS. Yeah, is it a, is it a good quality scan, right? Yeah. Like, is is it? It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, it seems silly, and it seems like, oh, you guys are just, you know, it's it's creepy, like whatever. But like, if I can barely read the scan, then you're not doing me any favors, and also make it make it easier to like make it one combined document, right, in order. So that I don't have to keep clicking on other things. And I'm saying it like I'm a functional because I'm definitely not a functional, but I know because I've, you know, I read other packages and board packages and stuff like that. Like you got to make it easy to read. So I open up one file and everything's there in order, clean scans, well-written, all that kind of good stuff. At Yeah. Every, everything is looked at. And that's funny that you would say that because if I'm seeing a year or a year and a half old uh, letter of recommendation, I'm thinking that something happened and like, cause a lot can happen between, you know, a year, year and a half. And I'm thinking something happened and you weren't willing to go back and get another re- letter of recommendation because you knew you weren't going to get it. Yeah. Well, and then there's a difference between like a uh, uh, just a normal letter recommendation. You, you can tell when a commander has like a, a letter recommendation that all he does is change the names. Like, oh, yes, this person performs their job. And the, but like if you can give me something where like and I don't care if it's, you know, someone that you work with, uh, like a peer or somebody else. But I want to hear 
who you really are. Not like this person worked eight rungs below me. I barely know who they are. They show up on my alpha roster. They came in, you know, someone came in and said, can you knock out a letter recommendation? It's like, sure. No, like I want to know someone that worked with you or grew up with you or, or something else or someone outside your organization that you interact with on a regular basis. So, um, you know, those are the things. <laughs> this, this last part has just turned out into a, to a rant about what three old guys don't like to see or, you know, Oh, here they're gotchas. <laughs> well, speaking of retiring, um, I did want to say congratulations to you and, you know, all the best for you going forward. Um, I'm excited for you. Like I always get excited when, when it's folks like you that are, that are genuinely good dudes worked really hard, uh, their entire career and you get a chance to retire, you know, you get a, approved to, a, uh, on your application to retire and you kind of close this chapter of your life and, op- and, you know, kind of wander into the new chapter. And I, that's exciting for you. It's exciting for, for me to see people like you go and, and absolutely crush things. So as genuinely as I can possibly be, congratulations on, on your retirement. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do um, here in the future. Dude, I just can't wait. I can't wait to give your replacement a hard time for like at least a year. I'm going to be like, well, Gan, Gan took care of this for me. What is wrong with you? And they're going to get so tired. Like if they think they're tired of hearing your name now, it's going to make it that much worse. It's, uh, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I would definitely change that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, on that note, uh, Again, appreciate you joining us. You're always uh, always welcome to come back on. And then for all you prior service out there or assist service or whatever you want to do, this you heard it here. Have good IFT numbers. Have your packages put together well. Do your research and um, and put out and lead once you're in the once you're in the seat. Like that's just what we expect of you. So um, we are out here. Train hard, everybody. Later. <laughs>